0: So we had some good fun feedback about this, um, podcast that we started.
1: Impromptu as it
0: was, you know, that's just, I, I think that was my favorite part of the feedback was I love how just natural and organic and not preachy it was. Oh, and wow. I was like, well, that's just what happens when you and I talk about stuff for
1: how we roll.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got some really cool questions that came in. Um, in some comments already but we can we can save that for for last time okay
1: yes so but that works
0: okay so I wrote down like four of my favorite questions and comments that we got but one that I wanted to ask you and it's kind of a generic question but I mean I think we can um, roll with this one for a little bit is what was the best piece of advice you've
1: received advice i have received yeah from well it's not advice so much as mentorship right i if you if you have listened since 1995 to jeff bland yeah the best advice he gave anybody was think about I'm putting my phone on airplane mode. The vest advice, and he never gave advice. He just demonstrated it. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? How does right. it work? What's the pathway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have leaky gut. So that's the end product. Mm-hmm. How did it get there? You don't, you, you can't just fix leaky gut. You have to fix how and why they got it. So probiotics, diet restriction, blah, blah, blah. That was, and that's the people that really know what they're doing. Don't give advice. That's what I, have you found that?
0: Yes. You're, and the, I found that the best people out there, the people that I want to Velcro myself to Mm -hmm. are always so inclined to help and teach. Um, I found that with um, Dr. Mark Lindsay in the late 90s when we were learning ART, you know, and some, some of the really good clinicians wanted to just take some of the skills and morph it and do their own and not share. And the best of the best have been like, yeah, you can do it like this, but come here, I'm going to show you something really neat. And what do you think? And they've been, like you said, they, they're prompting your own critical thinking, and sharing for the greater good.
1: Well, and without saying it, the, the message is, my job is to make your job easier. Yes. Right? Yes. So, Leon Chaitel, those that know what they're doing, do what they do so well. What did he have? 85 books. And, and then they encourage others to do their best. Yes. So because of Leon, I am now the write this case report up as a paper and publish it. Nag. Because unless somebody tells you, you should publish this. Well, right. it's just the case. No, no, no. There. Once it's published, then it happened. And somebody can learn from it. So that, right. that was Leon. Jeff Bland. And then... The other night, I, you know, those nights where you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and there's this thing in your head that you have to get out of your head and onto paper. Yes. I wrote a thank you note to my GP that I've had since uh, 1986. And he moved to another clinic that's too far away about five or six years ago. So I don't see him anymore. But when I got to thinking about how, I learned how to practice. He doesn't do physical medicine, but my son came in with contact dermatitis. You know, it was absolutely the the outline of his T-shirt, so it looked like contact dermatitis from a new soap. Mm-hmm. And John did this. He went, hmm, hmm, pressed on his belly on the right, pressed on his belly on the left, ordered a mono spot test. And the kid had raging, dangerous mononucleosis. Wow. And I said, what made you keep going? Yeah, he didn't look right. Wow. So what did just by doing what he does so well, you what I learned from that is be observant, follow your intuition and don't stop until it makes sense.
0: Whoa. Can we put that on like a slide right there?
1: Okay. I'm writing it down. What did I just say?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Be observant. <laughs> um, but the last part is don't stop until-, until it makes sense. Yep. And I think that's, I think when people hit stumbling blocks, when I look on our FSM um, practitioners page on Facebook and yeah. When I get questions after the courses and stuff, um, the questions are great because they they teach me where I failed um, to communicate something properly. Yeah,
1: like, I thought I said that, but apparently I didn't say it in a way you could hear. Right. Correct.
0: Yes. So, oh, I've got two angles I want to attack right now. Okay, I'll just go on the first one, then I'm, remind me to come back. All okay. right. So when we get these questions, yes, the first part is, okay, I failed to communicate that properly. And the second part is, again, going on that riff of don't stop. And I think because we get this awesome rainbow of practitioners that take our courses, we don't just get trainers or PTs or chiros. We're getting veterinarians and pharmacists and acupuncturists and optometrists. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like you name it and and then just lay people that want to learn more about what we do, you know. Um, but I think that's the problem is when you have a scope of practice, yes, you have to stay in your lane clinically, but you have to extend into those back corners of your brain and think laterally about okay, well, I have this, 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 and this, and my scope in physical medicine doesn't I I can't go into the gut. I can't go into autoimmune disease, but have somebody that can for you because you're right. Like it will only take you so far. Your results will only get so far. And then if you're not getting that underlying cause, like, well, you're just never going to close those cases.
1: I have to raise my hand. Do it. And that is part of what you said isn't true. Okay. Your, Your scope of practice is physical medicine, right? Yeah. Okay. And somebody has inflammation and a facet joint or something in their neck. Yes. Yes. Is the vagus nerve a physical structure? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but right. There's no way to treat a physical medicine problem. If the vagus nerve has been turned off by infection, stress, or trauma. Correct. You can't treat infection because you can't prescribe antibiotics or the things it takes to fix mold. Right. But you can turn down the limbic system. Mm Mm-hmm. The that do that. And by the way, I'm rewriting the Vegas presentation to make it into a webinar for Friday. And I can't. Believe how bad it's been the last three times I taught it because now I completely rearranged it. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so there's going to be a webinar Friday about about the vagus nerve, yeah. but it's a physical structure, yes, that regulates everything, including inflammation. Yes. So yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you can. <laughs> yes, you can. So that's the other slide.
0: Yes, you can. Yes, yes, you can. can. And I remember taking my first in person cork in Austin in 2006. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Long time and by the third day, we're going through um, like GI stuff. And I remember my brain wanting to just be like, you could just leave and get on a flight because you don't deal with organs. Yeah. And wanting to dismiss that all. And then I sat through it like a good student that I was. And then being on the plane, making a list of all the people that I had to call because it wasn't their psoas. And why would I have treated anything but the psoas? That's all I knew how to treat in the abdomen. And I've done some courses in visceral manipulation, but it's different than well, re it
1: it's why we teach it that talk about learning how you didn't communicate it properly or how I didn't communicate it properly. Yeah. It's I'd never put the psoas, the ovary, the heart, the kidney. I never put that in the physical medicine section until four or five years ago because
0: was it it after we treated a certain Olympic
1: swimmer? Something like it was yes, after it kept smacking me in the face and saying, Okay. It's it not was, a psoas. Yeah. Wait, it's it, never the psoas. It's and never. I
0: remember that moment where you just stopped because it wasn't doing anything. And it was like this moment where did you ever slip and fall on on the on the pool deck? And he's like, Oh yeah, I did. I'm like, why would she be asking about that? Oh. Well, what would happen if he slipped, fell,
1: and landed flat on his back? And his kidney got bruised and yeah. it glued it to the QLs. And so the QL stopped firing. Yeah. He actually tore his QLs yeah. by exercising a muscle that was inhibited. Right. It's like, so there's no way to treat physical medicine without having some idea of how it's connected to visceral medicine it's now there's that's why the physical medicine section is longer and those terrifying slides that i mean aren't they terrifying the one it's like no no don't tell me about the large bowel (laughs) it it is it's those gnarly
0: netter pictures right where you're just like no i don't want to go back there oh yes you have to join us come on come come
1: but then the story about the rotund rheumatologist who had all the trigger points in his left QL, in his left obliques. Right. And it's like, have you been in an auto accident where this, no, no auto accidents. Um, have you started an exercise program and done 200 crunches in the last week? And he looked at me and said, do I look like I have ever done <laughs> a crunch? Okay. So it's not the muscle. If it's not the muscle, what is it? Right. Right. And that's that's where you go back to look for the cause, right? So this GP, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take your other tangent, but I got to do this other thing that this GP did. Please, this, this is he's why I'm still here. After my open heart surgery, they said go see your GP in two weeks, and he said why are you here? And I said no. And they told me to come in two weeks. It's two weeks, so I'm here. And he said oh okay. How are you feeling? Fine. Good. Wow. How'd you do that? Blah, blah, blah. And he gets up and heads to the door and his hand is on the doorknob. And I said, well, there is one thing. It's hard to get it. It's been ever since Monday. This is Friday. Ever since Monday, it's hard to get a deep breath. And he absolutely stopped cold with his hand on the doorknob who do you know that would do that? Yeah. So that's that's the place where I learned to listen Mm. and take the time that it takes to get it right. Yeah. And that's, that's why I teach what I teach. It's like, you got to listen. Yeah. And when it doesn't make sense, it's like, why would she, let me take a chest X-ray. Let me, let's do a white count. Oh, And my left lung was two thirds full of fluid and I had left lower lobe pneumonia. Wow. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, okay. Now your other track.
0: Well, that's mine was just to give, to circle back to that question, the best piece of advice I'm going to say, and I've said this multiple times now, it's what you said to me the very first time I spoke at the advanced and I think about it at least five or six times every single day
1: okay that's scary
0: so that's how profound it is okay and it's what you want to say is not what they need
1: to hear in order what you want to say is not what they need to hear in order to learn what you want to teach them
0: yes I've I've shortened it a little bit for my little brain
1: yes but no that's the shorter version is probably more correct, but it works with, um, listening to
0: patients and, you know, fighting my, um, manual therapy skills of press harder, don't need to press harder. Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, really listening to what they're telling you so that you know where to start properly and to not be, get yeah, yeah, preachy or in their face. Like you, you, what did my dad always say? You have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> I love your dad. Yeah. Um, so I, I do try to listen more, speak less. So, I mean, it's very helpful, obviously with teaching and yeah, when we're presenting and we're teaching, I'm have that in my head about what do they need to, what concept do they need to keep here, you know, all the time so that it doesn't just go right through something has to stick. And I do it when I'm talking to my kids and when I'm training my puppy right now, like I want to do certain things and I have to fight against it. Cause what do they need? What do they need? And I think with patients right now, I know I'm in this point of, of playing with FSM that I mean, you have those days where you just really feel how profound it is, mm-hmm. what we have and, the changes that happen. And I think I really learned that. um, And I spoke about that patient. She was in the symposium. She had a very, very bad car accident. Um, So there's just a ton of trauma and you want to get so excited as a practitioner because you have all these tools and you know, you're going to like change and you have to take it in steps. And I always think about what Dr. Billick has said about, you have to give them some good before you can take out the bad. So supporting the patient.
1: Put in the good stuff. Yeah. You know? And the thing I've learned, I'd say in the last two years, because since my practice is so small, I have this luxury of having one or two patients in an afternoon, sometimes only one. And when you have two hours with somebody, you make these huge changes. And what I've learned is they need time to get used to who they are now. Yeah. Now it's like I give myself Wednesday off to work in the office, but they, and, and you have to warn them. It's like, okay, the patient gets up and says, this feels weird. It's like, yeah. Have you ever downloaded a new operating system onto your computer? That's what your brain is doing right now. Right. Your, your leg only used to be pain. And now we took away the pain. We quieted down the spinal cord. We quieted down the central sensitization. We reconnected it to the sensory cortex. Then we drove it back down from the sensory cortex to the cerebellum, to the spinal cord, to the leg. And the the patient at that point, you know, glazes over. It's like, did you do that? It's like, yeah, I, we did that. Now your body is trying to your brain is actually trying to figure out what to do with the changes we just made. Right? Are they going to be permanent? I don't know. How long is a piece of strain? It's like maybe and we'll treat something different tomorrow. But the pa- the being patient part and letting them know what's coming. So what's that other thing? Tell them what you're going to say, then say it, then tell them again. Yeah. Marty says, quiet down is 124. No, quieting down is 40. Yeah. So the quiet down central sensitization is 40 and 10, or spinal cord sensitization is 40 and 10. Quiet down nerve pain is 40 and 396. Central sensitization. What happens in the limbic system? that makes it mind the pain so much. It's the limbic system, the insula, actually. I just wrote an article for Townsend Letter. Um, So it's the insula, not the thalamus, but it's part of what we have as the midbrain um, Mm -hmm. that amplifies pain, gets used to it. So it, it feels weird to be out of pain. So the brain will recreate it. Mm. whether it's there or not peripherally. Right, right. Brain has a place that says this thing hurts. So that's what 40 and 89 is for. And I have had patients with really chronic pain. This is why I treat with five machines on one person. I have one that's just running 40 and 10 the whole time. And another machine that's just running 40 and 89 the whole time. So take out the spinal sensitization, the central sensitization, then you get rid of the pain and the patient says, it's like, I can't feel it. That's when you turn off 40 and 89, you turn off 40 and 10. I can't feel it. What does that mean? That means the sensory cortex isn't connected to your leg because all the only place your leg has been is, up in the insula, up in the okay, thalamus. Right. So at that point you do 81 and 92 to increase secretions in the sensory cortex from the brain down to the foot. And then pretty soon the patient says, oh, it's not numb anymore. <laughs> okay, fine. Is it hypersensitive? Nope, nope. How does it feel to be out of pain? It different, but it's okay. Okay. It's okay. And it's because we have the ability to manipulate the whole chain. So treating the sensory cortex is not part of your scope. Right. 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 Not. It's, it's also very much a part of your scope because there's no way to get somebody's leg to work. Absolutely. dealing with the brain and the nervous system and we have a tool that lets us do that. Right.
0: No, it's it's true. I mean, I think we just haven't thought of it so uh, microscopic before. You know, when I was in college, I touched on this last time I wrote my thesis on um pelvic instabilities, more specifically internal rotation restrictions. And we had three groups, one that just received manual therapy, one group that just got exercise rehabilitation and one group that got both. So no surprise here, the group that got both manual therapy and exercise prescription got better, blah, 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 blah. But then you have to break down, well, why did that happen? And some of the-
1: Duh in the discussion, right?
0: But it's not just as easy as, oh, it's because they got stronger or it's because they maintained length. A huge part of it was retraining balance, the joint kinesthetic receptors. It, it, and so, yeah, maybe, you know, 24 years ago, I wasn't thinking about the sensory cortex and the cerebellum and any of that because I was just thinking about balance and coordination. I was thinking of the last part of that whole
1: arc. And all of that is true doing at the same time. Totally.
0: So, you know, any patient of mine that comes in, whether it's a professional athlete or, you know, somebody who is sedentary, works in a library, they're getting some form of exercise prescription at the end because you have to close that feedback loop. And even if it's them just standing on a balance pad for a couple seconds to reintegrate and asking those questions, how does that feel? I don't know. I'm like just keep standing there. It feels it feels good. I'm like keep standing there. And <laughs> like my hip. And now we're done.
1: There we go. Yeah.
0: You know, and it's it's funny. It's, it's I found that it doesn't matter how long a patient has had that injury. I think the longer they've had it, the longer you have to convince them that it's okay to not be in pain anymore.
1: Well, and the toe heel walking yeah. that's yeah. magic um yeah. one of our practitioners taught me that 18 years ago yeah and it uses all the same muscles that you do in regular walking but it gets the information about the state of those muscles by a pathway that the brain doesn't expect right and so the brain says wait what the 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 hamstring is wait, what how long is it? How do yeah. I wait? And so they get really wobbly and that's the be observant part. They're really wobbly the first 25 feet that they don't do, do toe heel walking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they do another 25 feet and they're less wobbly. Yeah. And you can, you can see it when it smooths out, then yeah. the brain is now connected to those muscles in their current state. Right. Then you have them turn around and walk normally and the limp is gone and the hip drop is gone and everything's okay, fine.
0: I use that even without a asymmetrical gait pattern. So if I have, and it's in the sports course, I have it on video with a professional hockey player who had some like misfiring with his hip, nothing that anybody would see if you were a regular person. But if you're getting paid a lot of money to put pucks in a net, it's that last one degree. So it was the first thing we did. I'm like, I have to get this on, on video. So I'm following him on the track and everybody, I show it to like, he's a professional athlete. Dude can't even walk down a track straight. I'm just like, <laughs> you have no idea how hard this is after I've taken apart something and you're putting it back together. But it is, it's that. And I think especially if you've had it for a while or you're a professional athlete that's been training a pattern over and over and over again, the minute that person gets up off the table, they're gonna go back to that default position because that's all they've known how to function. That's their survival mode, right? That's what's gotten them to work day after day. So putting them in a inorganic pattern right off the bat is,
1: I think it's huge. It has to be done because when you think about how it was he was functioning in the state he was in. Dude can't even walk down a track. And you look at what's torn and broken and you fix that. Okay, yeah. was, there's tendinopathies there and so that muscle's turned off and that nerve is glued to that. And you had a kidney infection or a kidney stone. So your psoas is this long and that psoas is the other. And this all the cerebellum knows is that this guy's getting paid a lot of money to do this activity and I'll do whatever I have to do to get the puck in the net. Right. When you fix the dysfunction, your approach to getting them all all better, doing the frequencies is not just the thing. So the, the worst stories I hear are the, the patients who tell me, the practitioners um, put them in a room, <laughs> And how's the, Um, the practitioner puts them in a room with wet towels and then leaves them alone, never touches them like, no. So you have to feel what's going on, be involved in the process. You don't have to stay in the room if it's something easy, like a disc, but when you get the nerves unadhered from the old groin injury and all of a sudden is glutes starts firing and then when you fix the adhesion from the hernia repair that was gluing the uh, cutaneous nerve to the skin so that inhibited those muscles when you take away all those adhesions and you fix the tendinopathies the mechanics are completely different yeah yeah
0: yeah t- 100% totally When you, when you have a patient, let's just go off of musculoskeletal pain. If you have somebody who's got, um, I don't know, pick one of your favorite autoimmune conditions, um, or like Lyme or somebody that comes in with, let's say not a palpable restriction, right? How then are we going to close that loop because we're not dealing with balance. We're not dealing with so enlighten yeah. us.
1: <laughs> Thanks. No, that's where you have a team of people that you trust. Yeah. So um, there's a nature path here, and I send my Lyme patients to her. Yeah. So I can't fix Lyme. Yeah. A patient that comes in with one one Lyme band and not five Lyme bands in my, and and she has all these symptoms in my world. She doesn't have Lyme. Right. She has the downstream effects of having had Lyme. Right. And three people have told her she feels crappy for the last 13 years because she's had Lyme, even though she didn't have a tick bite or a rash. Right. Does that make sense to you? Not to me, but that's the other thing. It's like, it has to make sense, right? So, I, but you can't disagree with the patient because they firmly believe the three people that told them that they feel crappy because they have Lyme. Right. And then I do a vestibular screen. And one of the members of my team is a, a FCOVD um, optometrist. And she said, oh, I feel nausea and I have all these symptoms and the, the fatigue and the anxiety and the depression and all that stuff. And, um, oh, yeah, I had an auto accident, but I got better from that. Which way was your head turned? I don't know. Well, think about the accident. Which way was your head turned? Well, it was turned, it was turned to the left and you got hit. Side impact, right? Yeah. Did the airbag go off? Oh, yeah, hit me right in the side of the head, but I can hear fine. I know what. What do you? Okay, fine. So you do a vestibular screen. She gets prism glasses, and 80% of the symptoms that she ascribed to Lyme aren't Lyme. Right. No offense to the Lyme committed doctors, but Unless you've ruled out the other things that caused disequilibrium, nausea, fatigue, anxiety, um, that whole host of diffuse symptoms. Right. Um, it's, yeah. And,
0: and that goes back to your point of never stop looking, you know, until it makes sense. Yeah. And then you can maybe stop.
1: Well, and it, it. It can always be something that you didn't think it was. That's another poster, isn't it? It can always be something that you didn't think it was. So just because I have a hammer doesn't mean that everything's a nail. FSM doesn't fix everything.
0: No. And I think you do a great job of teaching that. um, Don't get too attached to your hypothesis. Right. I hate being wrong. I I will. That's one of the things I, it, I don't do well with that, but this is, um, taught me humility. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Know, wrong. Oh yeah. You know, um, and at the same time, I also hate when I'm right, because once you get a little savvy with it and you know, something more serious is going on, it's almost those times where you're sending people, you know, I think you might need to get some imaging of your spine or some imaging of this because there's something else going on, or this doesn't feel right. And I can't tell you how many times I've been right because it never not works. And if what I'm doing doesn't work, there's something else going on.
1: Did I tell you already about internal shingles? Was that last you week? You did last week. Swear to God. I treated him. I talked about it Wednesday. Yes. I treated him Thursday or Friday as internal shingles now I went down the rabbit hole first I had to make sure it was not pancreatic cancer liver mats any of the serious stuff all of that imaging was negative okay and then the PT so
0: remind I, remind the folks um, who are just turning in today who maybe didn't hear that first podcast maybe what so, that patient presented yeah, with
1: the patient had abdominal pain that was just really sharp and burning and really painful um in it was the right upper quadrant like just below the ribs but at first he was describing it as all the way across okay. and he'd lost 25 pounds in eight months. Hmm that I didn't like that part. Yeah. So um I sent him out, I treated him, he got some better, sent him out for imaging and we found out it's not pancreatic cancer it's not his gallbladder his liver's fine his blood works fine he makes amylase and lipase we found out all the bad things it isn't and i didn't i didn't do a sensory exam because i just ran my hands over his skin it was fine okay the next week i'm treating him Now we've all this, we've decided that it's, it's some sort of nerve thing. Okay. The PT who works on him at her office and I are on the phone. And she said, you know, there's a thing called internal shingles. What do you, what? Internal shingles. They never get blisters. It stays internal. They never get blisters. So this time I did a proper sensory exam with a pinwheel. Yeah. Nobody in the emergency room did it. He's been to the ER three times, been to urgent care two times, and he's seen me twice. Wow. And right. So we did a sensory exam, and there it was, T6 to T9. And Jody looks it up and says, internal shingles is a thing. It is not. And then I Googled it on my phone. It is, it's a thing. They never get, they don't get blisters. It's internal, but it, it manifests in a dermatomal pattern that would make anybody. And so that's where they don't stop until you figure it out. So I treated him for nerve pain before this time. He hasn't slept in three months. Okay because of the pain pain is worse at night Yeah, pain that's worse at night is always central so I did 40 and 10 with one machine 40 and 89 with another machine did the sh- like neck, to, neck to feet neck to feet yeah. and then from the spine to the abdomen I had three machines one ran the shingles protocol right the three fre- frequencies f- for shingles
2: yeah
1: one ran one s- and that one when those were done, I ran 160 <clears throat> malignant virus in yep. the nerve. So right. I treated the virus with one machine, yep. 40 and 396. But then the other one was 81 and 396. The problem with post neuralgia is the nerve is destroyed. What he had was the equivalent of phantom limb pain From T6 to T9. Wow. Yeah. So reducing inflammation in the nerve wasn't going to get it. And I knew that from all the times you fail, thank goodness. Right. Yeah. And then I did 81 and 396. And it took an hour with five machines on him. And then he said, it hurts when I move. What's that? Scarring in the nerve. Yeah, when you move and it hurts, it's never the muscle. Yeah, not when you have that. So I did thirteen and three ninety six, and he said, "Oh, that feels good." So I got into his belly and moved all those nerve roots, and and mobilized his chest. Yeah, had take a deep breath. Had him cough. Yeah, right? and it was still sore. Oh, and that's when he said it feels numb. And that's when I turned off 40 and 89, turned off 40 and 10 and did 81 and 92. Yeah. And then the numbness went away.
0: Did you have him move with 81 and
1: 92? Yeah. Yeah. Just a bit. And then 81 and 84, it was, and he's still, it's, it's not finished. There are, have you found this with male humans? If it's not a hundred percent gone, it's, it's never. It hasn't changed. Yeah. Is that is that a thing?
0: It's it's definitely a thing, and it doesn't matter if they're professional athletes or not. Um, and I have some women, especially athletes, that are like that. And you have to say, "Well, do." You, and that's why taking the pain score before treatment and before and after with range of motion is so important, because then you can say, "Do you remember when you came in and you could only do this and your pain was an eight? Oh yeah. Where are you again right now? Oh yeah I can do this and your pain It's a two okay So trying to leave on that like cognitive note that there was progress you know but you're right you don't want you never want people leaving they feel like they haven't done anything right or nothing's really changed
1: so well and it it says once again data yes what's your pain score? Right. Yep. Oh, well then, then they're scared to say it's a three because what if it comes back? Well, right. it comes back. We've got a two, three this time. That means we might be able to do it again. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: I had a teenager who was dying to return to sport um, following a procedure who was lying through her teeth about pain because she knew if she had pain, mom wouldn't let her play PT wouldn't let her play or PT would modify the exercises because
1: it was dangerous.
0: It was dangerous and pain. So we had to have this, like come to Jesus talk that pain is a good thing. It tells us where our healing's at. And in order for healing to progress in the right direction, we need to respect the pain. But it's really hard when you have an athlete, whether it's a teenager, professional, or just certain people. They just pain score sometimes just um, you have to have a backup. So, like, whether that's range of motion,
1: high, right? Yeah. And the the Oswestry score, the neck and low back, the TAUS scores, any of the functional measures are really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Data, yeah. Is, data is a good thing.
0: You need it. But then, you know, going back to any of those systemic conditions, you, you can't do range of motion on the viscera. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and, and then there are people that like, they've, they've had SIBO for 40 years. Yeah. And we get them to no SIBO. Like they don't right. have SIBO anymore. And three weeks later, they have an episode, right? Well, I still have SIBO. Well, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> what was your stress level? Like five days before you had this episode of SIBO. Okay. Oh yeah. I had to travel for work and I, so I'm so I'm, so what turned her Vegas off that changed the pH in her gut that allowed the bad bacteria to come back? So it's dealing with patient expectations, especially after they've read, read about us on the internet. Oh my gracious.
0: Right. Cause I think it's going to be a one and done. Yeah. No. I've actually should put a sign up and say, I am not the J and J shot.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing that patients need to understand, and I, if you might have a way that you tell them, it's like you and i form a team i am not going to do anything to you i i will i'll be able to correct some inflammation and scar tissue and imbalances and repair i can do lots but the stable state and how you progress that's a team effort that how do you how do you tell them that
0: Um, Yeah, really similar, you know, and again, I have my other favorite quote of yours is you can't want it more than the patient. Now with my athletes, that's never in question because they will run through a brick wall if I say that will make them get on the ice or the field faster. But there are so many times where I do, I have patients that I know like we've got profound changes on the horizon, but it's, this is not my journey. Like you said, I'm just the facilitator, the hand holder, the background cheerleader. Um, but they have to do the work. And I, I think, you know, similar to, to an athlete who spends, you know, two hours, I'll go to hockey for a minute, two hours on the ice the great athletes are not the ones that just put all the emphasis on the two hours on the ice. It's what are they doing the other 22 hours? How are they eating sleeping? So the stable state with athletes is really easy because they're, they're quite pristine. Now they might have the psychological stress that happens with, with sport, but you're right. It is, it's conveying to them, um, these exercises that you're doing, you might have to do them for the rest of your life in some sort of fashion to take care of your spine in order for you to keep being active or shoulder exercises. or And sometimes they look at me and they're mad. What do you mean I have to keep doing these stretches? I'm like, well, not these exact stretches. We'll keep modifying them, but you're going to have to keep moving. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that. Oh, okay. You might, you might need to find somebody else to help you then. Yeah.
1: It's well, hard to bail out a boat while somebody's shooting holes in the bottom of it.
0: Right.
1: The, I mean, the, the same Olympic swimmer that we treated. Yeah. And we got the kidney thing sorted out. We got the psoas thing sorted out. Then we came back for the second session in the afternoon and I, oh, you know, yeah. he had a bunch of trigger points in his rectus abdominis. And I said, these are, why do you have trigger points in your rectus abdominis? So I treated the muscle. I ran inflammation and allergy in the small intestine and said, what do you have for lunch? He said, oh, there's this great shot down the, down the road. It was and, good. Yeah. and Probably hear my dog in the background, sorry. So, um, and I said, you want to go to the Olympics in two years? Oh, I know. I asked him. It's like, has anybody ever told you, you shouldn't eat gluten? Oh yeah. My naturopath says I'm gluten intolerant, gluten sensitive. And I said, well, you want to go to the Olympics in two years? That's the last sub sandwich and last, last gluten you have Yeah. for two years. If you want to go to the Olympics. Yeah. And athletes will do that. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, I think,
0: well, I'm hopeful, like the, the patients, I think by the time they find us are at a level of desperation and open-mindedness. I think they come in, in both fashions, either they've tried everything else and they're willing to throw a reckless abandon to whatever you tell them. Yes. <laughs> or yeah, or they're just a little bit more open-minded because they know what they've tried hasn't worked. Do you have a favorite um like steady state stable state um set of frequencies that you like to to give people with
1: these days concussion in Vegas there's absolutely yes. no way you'll see there's there's no way to get anybody better unless their Vegas nerve is working concussion, so will
0: you give them that
1: like daily or um they watch the news right so so it used to be just run the concussion protocol and then it then it's concussion in vegas so did they drive in traffic have they been on the freeway today did somebody yell at them at practice or at work did they watch the news um did they read the newspaper? yeah those are the things, yeah and infection, stress, and trauma. so it's, yeah. it's the the lives we lead are compared to what life was like two hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, we just had to worry about tigers, and if you broke your leg, you were dead, right? Yeah. If you had a heart attack, you were dead. that was it was easy. yeah now we recover from those things. But the lives we lead are, from a primitive physiologic standpoint, they're incredibly stressful. So I literally run concussion in Vegas on myself every single night. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, I am insulin resistant and I had pancreatitis for five years. Right. So I treat insulin and leptin and the pancreas that's a almost a three-hour program wow 78 minutes so i run that and then i wake up at three or so when it's finished and then i run concussion in vegas so it's it's like it's the reason to make like a custom care and a magnetic converter um a package, because yes, it's 4000 or $4,500. Yes, it's that much money. But what's it going to save you? Right. In terms of how much money you spend with me, I'd rather have you treating yourself at home. And right, for sure. Yes. When it comes
0: to those things, I think you would almost rather be in the comfort of your own home. I I have profound feelings when I run concussion in Vegas. I want to experience all that in the comfort of my house. I don't want to be on a table talking to anybody. No,
1: exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's important.
0: I have another question for you that came in here. Okay. So I'll let you start with these. Um, do you always treat everybody on alternating current first as a default?
1: Um... Older patients. So like if you're, I'm assuming they're, they're talking about neck to feet stuff where you might run into stenosis An older patients. Yes. So if they're over, let's say 50, which isn't as old as you think it is once you're 75. So, <laughs> so um, I'll run it alternating for like a minute or two and But in general, the the spinal cord, the vagus, um, central sensitization, any nerve, um, they're all I I polarize them right away. The night, the only one that ever gives people trouble is the spinal cord, Mm -hmm. um, stenosis, and basically you you watch their face. And if they start to squirm or make faces, it's like, what's going on? I got a headache. Really? Okay. So then you make it alternating because the two things that will give them a headache are the alt- the polarized positive current when it backs up enough that it increases the spinal fluid pressure in the brain. But the other thing that happens is that because they have, let's say, a disc bulge that's causing the whole thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They tend to lay and by habit they they put themselves into extension. Right. And so then you go up to the top head of the table, you put your fingers under the base of their skull, you tuck their chin and you traction it just a bit. How's your headache? Oh, that's much better. So it's the C two three facet. Yeah. So C5-6 disc goes with C2-3 facet. It's, right. It, d- have you ever found that it's not? No. Yeah. Okay, good. It's not just, <laughs> it's like, it's always yeah. c 3 facet and C5-6 disc.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, most of my athletes, and I probably ask you this every year, why athletes love being polarized. And I never, yeah, <laughs> give me the same. No.
1: Even weekend warriors or people that are particularly yeah. muscular work out a lot. Yes, it doesn't. A-
0: I don't know. And I've been asking you this since the very first course. And it's, I don't know, there's a lot. Every year, I'm like, oh, I think I have an idea. And there's a lot of pretty cool, like, hypothesis that come out from there. But I had an athlete who I was treating and um, gave him a custom care. He purchased one after. And he called me within hours of taking it home. He's like, this one doesn't work that you gave me. I'm like, it works. I'm not stoned. It's not working. And this was a guy that would have to leave his keys at the front desk. And we'd have to call him an Uber (laughs) home after because he, he would get stoned. And I'm like, maybe it's just because you're doing it at home. Send me a video, make sure that the battery's plugged in. And he Sent me a video. Everything was was running. He's like, "I'm not stoned. I'm fine. Look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. I'm fine." And then it dawned on me. I just threw everything on there, alternating.
1: No, nope. isn't that something?
0: I'm like, okay. I go and I hate it when I'm wrong. I'm like, okay, just bring it back, and I'll see what I can do. So and in there, clicked everything to positive. I go, okay, go home tonight and try it again. He's like, okay, and then I never heard from him because passed out and he was all googly after <laughs> so um it works Love and it. yeah I I don't know why but it's um
1: speaking of athletes mm-hmm. I, have, I have a thing a, th- a thing on my desktop on my you know file thing yeah. there was this file that literally I had never looked at it was Endocrine, like, why would you read this, right? Um, Endocrine implications of uh, traumatic, endocrine implications of traumatic brain injuries, TBIs, endocrine. Okay, fine, whatever. How bad could, how good could this be? So last night I just opened it up because I didn't want to do what I was supposed to do. So I opened (laughs) up this thing and it is, it's 244 slides. It's an osteopath in renal
2: okay.
1: and it, it, it mind boggling mind boggling things really? we never check uh-huh. testosterone growth hormone progesterone d h e a um what was the other ones i mean two hundred and forty five four slides how could i Anyway, the good news is that I emailed him. He answered me today. He will take my son as a patient. But the important thing is he's got two hours at the advanced in February. Very cool. That may annoy David Musnick, who's used to being the TBI guy. But this is a whole other spin that I think yeah. is incredible. Strict. And the, it's amazing. I'm so excited. I can't even remember his name. Clearfield. Um, mm. He's in Reno, so we will. And he's he's going to ask me why do you want me to talk to your group? Because we treat traumatic brain injury patients,
0: but we don't think about that side of the coin.
1: No, because not that many of us are MDs. There's about a quarter of our practitioners are medical physicians yeah but, but even
0: like, even for those of us that aren't to be able to ask the right questions or just kind of go that way to refer for that because um
1: yeah, Develop a helpful. There. yeah. and so isn't that exciting that is so exciting. exciting yeah oh and i have a new thing for the um for the packet and it, oh. it is the what's it what do they call It the brain injury vision symptoms survey. This is going to be part of the first time you take the core. Um things you never thought of that would send people to an FCOVD optimist. Excellent.
0: Excellent. And that's going to be for all of us at the advanced.
1: Yep. It's at the advanced. It's it's I'm so excited.
0: Excellent.
1: Yeah. Okay. You were going to ask me something or say something.
0: No, I think, I think we're almost. Oh my gosh. I know. We again. We did it again. So
1: we're so close on. <laughs> do you have it's... any more questions? You're getting the questions.
0: I know. I love getting these questions. So I want to do, I do want to end on one just because I have it out here. So do you have a absolute favorite textbook?
1: Besides Netter? Yeah. This is what my answer was.
0: Yes. So That's netter. It, I, I haven't found even like, there's a lot of really cool software that I have on my laptop for patients that I can try to explain, but nothing gives me the visual and the comfort than going into my, and I don't even know what edition they're up to. This is Netter number two. This is only the second edition that I have.
1: They're up to eight.
0: Well, they can't, they couldn't have changed that much, but (laughs) I, I think anybody should have a netters and I don't care how good your anatomy is because you learn anatomy differently with FSM. You, you, yes, you care about origin insertion action innervation but it's the shape of the muscle that's different it's what's it's neighbors what is it touching what is it near to and not even where do the nerves go yes so I want to just so I was working with somebody's um uh shoulder blade rib area I'll just give you that information and she comes in and my doctor says I have a rib out I'm like Okay. (laughs) When I hear that, it's it's like when someone says I have tight rhomboids. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for the tight rhomboid, she's like, Yeah, my rhomboids feel tight. I'm like, okay, if you had tight rhomboids, you would be walking around like this. She's like, I would. I'm like, you have chronically elongated, scarred rhomboids because you are walking around like this. Everything that we do
1: is in front of us. So Has flexed forward, the discs bulge, and that creates pain in between your shoulder blades where the rhomboids are. Yes. But no, there's nothing wrong with it. There's never anything wrong with the rhomboids.
0: Never, ever.
1: Ever. Okay. Thank you. Never,
0: Thank you. But people only know what they can touch and feel, you know, so, and you again, Hey, this is the theme of, of this talk is don't stop looking because just because you feel something that appears to be on someone's rhomboid doesn't mean it's the rhomboid there's. So this is one of my favorite pictures that I show patients, um, again, through netters, but so, so many people go, Oh, those are my rhomboids. Right. I'm like, no, that's serratus posterior. Like that is super deep and look what's underneath it and this is your spine and under that is the disc and then there's a nerve so no you don't have a rib out um <laughs> and I say it in my my smiliest face and then I run frequency for the disc and they're like oh oh what you're doing on my rhomboid feels great it's like, not your rhomboid um so going back to my question about the book um
1: I don't, the, the there's two there's one other one that i use but it's so esoteric and it's so rare that i need it because netter is the go-to yeah there's that one and then the two um neurology textbooks i can't even remember the the authors but i show the pictures of them and they're for really weird esoteric stuff hmm. so, um and the other thing that happens with Netter is it. I pretend that I remember all this stuff and I have a lot of netters stuck in my brain. Yeah. But when you can't figure it out, I think it's okay to tell the patient, what is this? Let's look yeah. at it together. And you look at the, and this does that. And it's like, okay, my favorite OBGYN when I was in my 20s, was a doctor that kept the physician's desk reference back when it was a real book. Yeah. He kept it on a, on a reading stand in every treatment room. Wow. Every single time he prescribed any drug, he looked it up huh. and it's like, okay, that's a good
0: thing. And you probably never once thought Jesus guy isn't very smart. You probably thought, wow, he's being really thorough and I really appreciate that.
1: Mm-hmm. I have to tell you one more thing about, oh, okay. It won't won't take very long. This lady comes and she's had um, just incredible pelvic pain. Like they flew from Colorado and she'd had pelvic pain. Somebody decided she had endometriosis. So she had a lap laparoscopy and that did one set of things. And then somebody told her that her endometriosis would go away. If she had a hysterectomy. Okay. So they did that and that made it worse. And then she had some sort of prolapse because, and so they put a mesh in. Okay. So I'm very gentle with the scar tissue and, you know, doing intravaginal work and this and that. And but the way she described her pain was before she had a bowel movement, the pain was absolutely excruciating. Okay. Number one, I've never seen that before in my life or heard of that symptom. But mm-hmm. as her rectum fills, she, the pain is excruciating. So if you so you go back to Jeff plan, go back to first principles. What happens when the stool comes down your descending colon through the sigmoid into the rectum? right? It's filling. You know how much that stuff weighs? Okay, so we're talking four or five pounds of poop. All right. What's it doing? Well, it's pulling on things. Okay? After all, oh my God. And what the physical therapists have done to her. That was, I mean, there was one dilator thing that they did that made everything worse. So then I opened up Netter and we looked at the pelvic floor. The pelvic floor muscles are these sheets and they're attached to the periosteum with three millimeters of connective tissue all the way around the brim. You know what fix it? 124 and 77 for an hour. For an hour. Did the pain change right away? Sometimes
0: the pain changes right away with 124, but to fix the issue, it takes a bit
1: longer. Yeah, the pain started to go down, and then I had to treat the periosteum too. But then we had to take the scar tissue out of the rectum that was Right, all the surgeries and the trauma that she'd had in her pelvis. We had to take the scar tissue out of the rectum so it wouldn't pull on things. But the concept, never before in my life have I treated 124 and 77 torn and broken in the connective tissue for the pelvic floor. And
0: and but man, does that make so much sense? When you look at netter. When you look at netter. And then when you think. Anybody that's had a baby.
1: Oh, yeah. There's that.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of good work with diastasis recti with 124 and 77 pelvic floor neighborhood, but not in that way. But um,
1: wow. Good for you. It was like, oh, Fantastic. Was, well, she comes here for a week, right? Yeah. To see Yoda. And it's like it's Wednesday and Yoda is like looking for the back door. Right. So but then it was like it's 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 those teachers we've had. It's yeah. Band Bland and the John Denker and the Leon Chato and the John Sharkey and everything's connected to everything. Yeah. Although I'm really gonna know John Sharkey because it's never the fascia. It's
2: oh.
1: like that's really gonna annoy him. I but, treat the fascia a lot, so but yeah. um it's the fascia's enervated. Yeah. So you have to treat scar tissue in the nerve anyway. Oh, so for sure. 124 and 77. It's like the pain started to go away right away. And then I yeah. just left one unit on her that ran 124 and 77 for an hour while I treated scarring in the rectum internally.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So it was pretty fun. Amazing. It's five after five already. It yep. is.
0: These hours go by so fast. So, keep your questions coming, everybody. These are great. Um, I don't know do you have any announcements for the week other than you've got a um, webinar on Friday for the Vegas Nerve. That's on Facebook, I think, right? That'll be. Or,
2: I, no, a- you're doing
1: it. You're doing it through Zoom again. Yeah, we'll do it through through Zoom. It'll be an an FSM practitioner. And it's different, I decided, because not everybody comes to the advanced. Now, this year we're doing it um, live stream and in person at yes. the advanced. Um, so not everybody has seen this Vegas thing. And right. if I make it a webinar, it will always be on yes. the, the website. Yeah. And people will be able to find it. So I'm And get pretty-
0: caught up and then they can hit the ground running at the advanced.
1: Yeah, and what's what time? Oh, what the time? webinar on Friday. What time's the webinar? Four o'clock. Four Six. o'clock, Friday, Pacific time. Yes, so those our- are be in Australia, New Zealand, India, and Ireland. <laughs> You'll have to figure it out. You can Perfect. ask. There's and then on.
0: I have another quick announcement. Someone's asking about the next live sports course. That's what I just saw. So I think it's going to be at the advanced in Phoenix, the next live one. I'm on the fence about doing another live stream before then, but I think we'll just, um, since it will be live streamed at the advanced and in person, we'll just go with that. And for all of you have taken the FSM sports course, there's going to be an advanced FSM one day course. So any of you who have taken the FSM sports course, the one day will be more intense, like biomechanical troubleshooting, Some cool manual therapy skills and a lot more proprioception, balance work, um, that neural repatterning stuff that I'm a bit of a geek with.
1: Does that mean I don't have that day off and I get to come sit and watch? Yeah. Oh, goody. You can come play and balance and do all the fun things. I've got lots of things you can play with. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs)
0: We'll turn you into like a Cirque du Soleil person after.
1: How about that? Okay. That's optimistic, but great.
0: (laughs) Gotta aim high. Aim for the stars. Aim high. What
1: a good time.
0: Questions. I don't know if you want to get them really quick. Oh, we think you answered them already. It was being recorded. You answered the quiet down is one twenty-four. You got that. And and then you got the what time. We did everything. Awesome. So if there are more questions, email us and you know where to find everybody. If you and registered
1: for this webinar, you are automatically registered for the next two months. What webinar? Perfect can- for
2: this yeah. one. Our
1: it's
2: podcast o'clock.
1: That's a podcast, the
2: podcast. But it's still it's a webinar on Zoom,
1: sorry. It's a webinar on Zoom, but it's a podcast. It's
2: yes. It. So on come
0: app. join us So come join us every Wednesday and get it like live as we're doing it because that's so much fun and then you can replay it and listen to
1: it after. I suspect we may graduate to champagne or fizzy water or something, right? oh that's a great idea you know and eventually
0: we'll, we'll we'll have a theme and we'll have guests but right now we have just way too much to talk about so
1: yeah there are guests that are coming we're already working up a list I have
0: such a great list we'll talk about that in private though after
1: okay yeah bye guys bye everybody thanks thanks Kim bye
2: bye The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations.